Okay, here we go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another podcast from P-Town. Your host is pulling up his news information. Oh, is that my cue? Mm. Okay, so uh, getting into this. Sorry, we're a day late. We had a bar, a uh, not a barbecue. What well, was the bar- barbecue? Yeah, graduation barbecue to go to last night. So we're playing a little catch up, but um, looking at the news for um, actually yesterday, but it still holds true today. Uh, it says Multnomah moves a measure to allow non-citizens to vote. So this should make a bunch of liberals happy. Uh, the Charter Review Committee of Multnomah County was recently approved or has recently approved an amendment to the county's charter to allow non-citizens to vote. The measure would state that the county shall extend the right to vote for county officers and measures to the fullest extent allowed by law. This would likely apply to local races as non-citizens are forbidden to vote for federal races like Congress and President. They don't need them. They got dead people to do that. But the county is working on the next on the text to provide a vote to citizens in the November election. Other jurisdictions in America in California and New York have experimented with non-citizen voting. So now you can be a non-citizen and you can get full health benefits and you can get unemployment benefits and now you can vote. Yay. I don't get that. Go Multnomah Kenny. I feel bad for you people. So uh, the next thing, a mortgage giant cuts thousands of jobs and warns of accelerated downturn as housing market abruptly collapses, which I think we all knew this was kind of coming. The housing things are going to start going down with our economy a little bit. Uh, mortgage originator Loan Depot on Tuesday unveiled a plan to cut thousands of jobs and reduce costs significantly as higher interest rates sink mortgage demand, becoming the latest company to warn the housing market is due for a steeper de- turnaround after the pandemic home buying frenzy. In a regulatory filing released Tuesday, California-based Loan Depot said it has cut about 2,800 jobs this year and expects to cut about another 2,000 more, which makes over half of its employees, pretty much. By the year-end, as part of a plan to aggressively cut costs by about $400 million each year, the company currently employs about 8,500 people. It says the company's struggles come as housing demands begin to take a hit from the Federal Reserve's interest rates hikes which are designed to cool decades-high inflation, but also push up the price of debt. So the rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage has climbed to 5.77% from 3.29% at the start of the year, which obviously adds hundreds of dollars each month to the cost of your loan. Mm -hmm. Um, Other companies like Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan have announced uh, rounds of layoffs, cutting thousands of jobs in their home lending departments. And last month, real estate firms uh, Compass and Redfin cut about 450 jobs each. The next little snippet we've got here is parents are not rushing to vaccinate very young children for COVID, a report finds. Um, Basically, parents have been... I'm kind of paraphrasing through these a little bit. Basically, parents of very young children have been slow to heed the federal government's recommendation that they vaccinate their kids against COVID, according to a report. Just 1.3% of 
eligible children under the age of five have read the received the vaccine since the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommended it for children as young as six months. Oh, gosh. Which makes it interesting. I actually had a conversation with this friend of mine who got vaccinated, and he has a young child, and I says, well, did you get your kid vaccinated too? And he's like, well, no, not, no. And I said, well, why not? Well, we're not sure if it's all safe and whatnot yet. Did he hear so, himself? Yeah, I'm like, so, I mean, good on him that he doesn't want to put his kid in harm's way. Right. But on the other hand, he's saying he was one saying that everybody needs to get vaccinated. Everybody has to get vaccinated so we can slow this, um, which he did go get vaccinated himself. But um, he was still worried about his kid getting vaccinated. Hmm. So, yeah, whatever. Um, and then the last thing, this is a doozy. Uh, more than... F- and this comes from Reuters, actually. Well, by way of our news correspondent. More than 5 million barrels of, barrels of oil that were part of a historic U.S. emergency reserves uh, release to lower domestic fuel prices were exported to Europe and Asia last month. How many barrels? 5 million barrels. And that was according to data and sources. Um even as U.S. gasoline and diesel prices hit record highs, Biden administration sold a million barrels of oil from U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to Chinese state-owned firm where Hunter Biden is an investor. Wow. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Biden voters. You are making such a great impact on the rest of us. Did you know I saw a deal today? Biden is a staunch Catholic and somebody else in his family was Lutheran, and Hunter Biden is a crack Methodist. I like it. Yeah. So. And he's got all of our oil. Yeah. So, anyhow, um, that's kind of the news that we've got for right now. Um, in other news, James Caan um, has died. He played in The Godfather and quite a few other films. He was uh, he was a pretty big name back in the day. Seen a few of his movies. It wasn't too bad. Uh, and I think that's pretty much about it. Did you have anything nope. striking you wanted to say? Nope. Okay, so getting into this week's topic, this is probably going to be another pretty big one. This week we're talking about Ronald Reagan, and um, he's probably one of the best presidents in the last 50 years, probably number one right behind Trump. But he was... (laughs) Sorry. He was born on February 6th, 1911, and he was born in Tampico, Illinois. Or Illinois. Illinois. The S is silent. Mm -hmm. His family was pretty poor. They lived in an apartment on the second floor of a commercial building. His mom was named Nellie Clyde, and his dad was Jack Reagan. His dad was employed as a salesman. Um, It looks like he only had one brother, which back in those days, people were popping out kids all the time. So either they were super poor or his mom was super ugly. Um, His dad nicknamed him Dutch, which stuck with him pretty much his whole life. Um, I think I'd heard him be called Dutch once before, but I don't remember. Um, His family moved around quite a bit when he was young, but they finally ended up uh, landing in Dixon, Illinois in 1919. He was, uh, growing up, he was opposed to racial discrimination, which is good. 
In college, if they were playing football close to his hometown, he would invite the black kids to stay at his parents' house since the hotels wouldn't let them stay there. And both of his parents were also strongly against racism. His mom was a devout Christian and also imprinted a strong faith in him. His dad was Roman Catholic, but Reagan became a born-again Christian and he held to his faith his whole life and never messed around with little boys. He attended Dixon High School and was just a pretty average student. And he went on to attend Eureka College and was a mediocre student there as well. In high school and college, he enjoyed acting and sports. It said that his first job was as a lifeguard at Rock River. Um, I didn't know they had lifeguards at no River I ever swam at had a lifeguard. Um, but it's a good thing they did have old Ronnie there because uh, over the course of six years, it is said that he performed 77 rescues. And if there's that many bad swimmers, maybe they shouldn't be in the river. Um, he graduated from Eureka College in 1932. And right out of college, he started working at radio stations. And he eventually got a job in Des Moines. And he would announce the Cubs games. And he would actually, he would just have to wait for the play-by-play wire to come through to him. Um, and then he'd announce what was going on. They didn't, you know, they didn't have live action stuff so he'd have to wait for them to send the wire report to him or whatever and then he would kind of announce it and so not only was he stuck announcing the cubs like i'd said earlier he didn't even get to watch the games in person and announce it from there somehow though he was able to travel with the cubs and in 1937 they were out in california and he got a chance to take a screen test and this ended up landing him a seven-year contract with warner brothers um but he kind of had to <coughs> come up through the ranks a little bit. He didn't hit the big time right away. He ended up spending his first few years making uh, B-movies, um, which he hadn't had any training or acting ex- uh, for the mm-hmm. positions or whatever, you know. But by 1939, he had appeared in 19 movies, and he would end up being in movies with uh, some of the people that he co-starred with or whatever was... Uh, like Humphrey Bogart and Betty Davis, both of those were some people that he had acted with early on in his career, which kind of got him uh, shot up a little bit, I guess. Um, and then the other nickname that he had was the Gipper. You remember people talking about the Gipper as Ronald Reagan? Huh. Well, it used to be a nickname for him. And uh, this came on early in his career after he played George Gipp in a movie called Newt Rockney. All-American, and it is said his favorite role came in 1942 in a movie called King's Row, and this movie, he played a double amputee, and this movie actually made him a star, and Warner Brothers immediately tripled his salary to $3,000 per week, which equals out to about $53,796 in today's money per week. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. uh, Pretty pretty good good little income. But in 1942, he was actually ordered off to war, so he never really made the super big time. He was off fighting our war. And um, he was already enlisted in the reserves as a second lieutenant starting back in 1937. So while he was acting, he was already in the reserves. But in 42, he was ended up being called into active, active duty. Um, lucky for him, though, he's, he was extremely nearsighted, which caused him to not have to go overseas. He stayed home. And so at this time, they had the Army Cavalry and the U.S. Army Air Forces, uh, 
And he started out in the cavalry, but he was able to get transferred over to the um, Army Air Forces. And his duties in the military, though, they seem to be more administrative than what most people think about of the military. Um, at one point, he was listed as a liaison officer. Another time, he worked in public relations. So um, he just kind of did administrative type of jobs. And he finally left the military in 1945 at the rank of captain. Um, since he was in the movies, though, he was part of the Screen Actors Guild, which um, the abbreviation is SAG. Pretty good abbreviation. It's about as good as the word moist. Ugh. So, uh, but the Screen Actors Guild is a labor union that actors go into, moist, and kind of like the IBEW for electricians. But in 1941, he was elected onto the board of this thing. And he was only an alternate on the board at the time. But when he came back from the military, he became the third vice president in 1946. And in 1947, the president and six other board members resigned due to conflicts of interest. So Reagan was elected as president. They had a special elect election and they elected him as president of the thing. Um... But that whole conflict of interest thing that I talked about, um, you know, we talk a lot about scandals in the government. And I think these labor unions um, and conflicts of interest are a big part of that as well. Uh, labor unions have gigantic lobby groups that go to the government and, you know, make sure that things go the way that they want to. Um, so it's kind of interesting that that would come up and catch people. But anyhow, uh, Reagan, he must've done a pretty good job because he was reelected as president of that thing for six, uh, six times he was reelected president. And the last time was in 1959, but they elected presidents that looked like about every year. And then he skipped a few years and was reelected in 59. Uh, he was also the one who played a big part on actors getting reoccurring payments if their TV shows and whatnot are rerun on TV. So, like, uh, royalty payments. There's another podcast I listened to, uh, and one of their friends was a child actor. And I think it was something like every month or something like that, he said he gets a paycheck in the mail. And sometimes it's not even worth the paper it's printed on. Oh. But sometimes, you know, there's enough money in there to go buy a half a gallon of gas or something. Um, also at this time he had been approached by the FBI. Uh, so you think about the time frame that this was in and wonder why the FBI may be questioning him. They wanted him to be an informant on actors that they thought to be communist sympathizers. Um, he even, while he was doing this, even got called to testify before Congress on the whole communist, uh, business. Good grief. But as the 50s rolled on, he was getting less film roles and he started doing more television. He soon became the host of General Electric Theater, which was a series of weekly dramas. Um, I knew G made TVs, but they actually had their own TV show. I didn't know that either. But in this role, uh, he would end up going and visiting G plant 16 weeks a year. And sometimes he would have to give talks 14 times a day. Should've the same got a thing? The same talk? It didn't say. Oh. He should have gotten a podcast, and then he could have just recorded it and had him listen to that. Yeah. But this job got him about 125000 which is around $1.1 in today's money. 
the show ran for 10 seasons, and it really helped to promote his national presence, so he was getting known nationwide. And his final TV career was on a series called Death Valley Days, which, um, for our first good tangent of the evening, if you guys remember, um, there's a cinema classic out there called Spies Like Us that features Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. It's a true all-American movie. And there's a spot in there where Chevy Chase is watching a musical, I think it was, and Ronald Reagan was in it. Hmm. It was on the part right before they go to take their test for uh, to become a GLG-20. Um, so before we get into his political stuff, let's talk a little bit about his personal life. Uh, and I kind of teased this out last week, I think it was. I didn't know this, but he was actually married twice. Hmm. His first That's wife was a guy by the name of Jane Wyman. And they got married in 1940 and ended up having three kids together. They had two biological daughters, but one of them was born premature and died. And then they also adopted a son. But as he was getting more into politics and whatnot, in their relation, or as a relationship went on, he was getting more into politics, and she wasn't on board with this. And she ended up filing for divorce in 1948. But they still remained close friends, actually, until um, he died. It wasn't like a bitter divorce or anything. She just, they were kind of going their separate ways, I guess. But he ended up meeting a gal by the name of Nancy Davis, and they got married in 1952, and they stayed married uh, until his death, and they ended up having two children together. Mm. So now we got that out of the way, let's get into the political mumbo-jumbo of this guy. Um, He started out as a Democrat, which makes sense. That was kind of the group of people that he was running with back then. But he ended up... uh, getting reborn and becoming a Republican in 1962. His first foray into this was being a spokesman for the Barry Goldwater campaign in 1964. Uh, He then got involved in quite a bit of left-wing committees early on in his career. He also ended up becoming a lifelong member of the NRA. But he kind of stepped back from the national stage around 1965. A lot of the Republicans in California were impressed with him and wanted him to run for governor. So he announced his bid for the election in 66, um, which he's probably spinning in his grave if he sees the way that that state's being run today. What they should do is they should hook up some wire copper windings to his casket. As much spinning as he's doing, he could generate electricity in there and power the whole state. Yeah, lots of them like that. But uh, basically, his campaign for governor, he basically ran on two points. And these are really good two points for him to run on. He wanted to send the welfare bums back to work, which was a direct quote from him. I don't want anyone to misconstrue how much I enjoy going to work over every day so others can sit at home and do nothing and live a better life than I do. And he was also going against the anti-war establishment stuff that was going on at UC Berkeley. He said, I'm going to clean up the mess at Berkeley, which again is another direct quote from him. I don't want to misconstrue the fact that I want a 19-year-old kid majoring in gender studies telling me how to run my life. (laughs) But once he became governor, he ran for president shortly thereafter in 1968, and he ended up third in that race. Uh, But as governor, when he went back to that, he was doing what he said he was going to do. One time there was a protest at UC Berkeley campus, and he sent in the California Highway Patrol. Uh, one student and a carpenter ended up getting killed in this, and 111 officers were injured. Oh. So Reagan called in 2,200 National Guard troops 
to the city of Berkeley for two weeks to crack down on the riots. And when he was questioned later about his response to the protests, he said, if it takes a blood a bloodbath, let's get it over with. Huh. Which he was, uh, he said, no more appeasement to these people. Um, wow. I wish we had him now. Yeah. Um, he actually did sign a bill um, allowing abortions, but he, um, uh, in his defense, I guess he almost kind of seems like he was pressured into it. He said, if I had more experience in being governor, he never would have signed the bill. Um, and he actually came out after that as being very anti-abortion. Um, so can he retract it? No, I don't think so. Once it's, well, I don't know, maybe. But then a bunch of people had their feelings hurt and tried to impeach him in 1968, <laughs> but they failed, and he was reelected in 1970. Oh, good. And he ran for president again in 1976, but he ended up getting beaten, beaten in the primaries by Gerald Ford. But he was uh, finally successful in 1980 running against Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was from Georgia. Do you know what he grew on his farm in Georgia? I know this. We've gone over it twice now. We have. You should be peanuts. Ah, oh, there you go, and which makes peanut butter and and Jif. Yeah, that's a don't eat Skippy. That stuff's horrible. <laughs> uh, so I'm not gonna go into everything that he did as president because he really did actually quite a lot. So we're just gonna h- highlight some of the stuff that he did. Uh, one of the first things he did as president was he tried to restore prayer in schools. Uh, he was defeated defeated on this both times he tried. Um, he actually tried to get this reinstituted twice and he failed both times, but somehow now it's okay to try and teach first graders to question their gender. Um, also, do you know what a gender bender is? No. It's when you use a, uh, it's for when you run on phone lines to turn a male plug into a female. It's a gender bender. Oh. Or it's Caitlyn Jenner. Oh. One or the other. One or the other. Um, also, shortly after his becoming president, there was an att- attempted assassination on him. Uh, there were three other people hitting this along with Reagan, and the gunman was... I remember watching this on TV, actually. The gunman was John Hinckley Jr., um, and if you look this guy, there's been a few podcasts on him, too. He's a psycho. He was infatuated with Jodie Foster... And somehow he got into his mind that if he killed the president, she would fall for him. Oh, good grief. Um, but he, I think he was shot in the arm and or shoulder or something like that. And he was sent to the hospital and treated. And he ended up getting released from that. Uh, Reagan also appointed Sandra Day O'Connor to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, making her the first female justice on the highest court in the land. Yep, I remember that. Um, his first term, it was quite a time. Uh, in August of 1981, the air traffic controllers went on strike. And he told them that if they don't return to work in 48 hours, they would forfeit their employment and be fired. Um, evidently, a bunch of them wanted to try and call his bluff, and he ended up firing 11,345 of them. <laughs> and I remember listening to a oh little thing about Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, yeah. And he was, when this was all going on, he says, uh, Reagan fired all the air traffic controllers, and people were wondering why there are all these plane crashes nowadays. Well, they had to replace the aircraft controllers, and he said maybe Bob the janitor doesn't know how to land a Boeing 707. <laughs> um, he also induced a, 
introduced his Reaganomics plan to try and bring back the economy. Um, he escalated the Cold War in his first term, but then he ended up ending the Cold War in his second. And with that being said, his second term, he was ending up running against Walter Mondale, and he had a landslide victory. He won like 49 of 50 states. He ended up with 525 of 538 electoral votes. What state didn't vote for him? Probably Delaware, I think it was, is where Mondale was from. Oh. Delaware or Maryland, one oh. of those, I think. Do you know who Mondale's running mate was? And I didn't even have to look this up to know this. No. It's just how quickly my bear trap mind works. No, I don't know. Geraldine Ferraro, that lady. Remember the big blonde hair oh. and the big glasses? Yeah? Yeah, that was Mondale's running mate. Learning something new every day, don't you? Yeah. Um, in his second term, he continued the war on drugs that had been started in 1982. Uh, he signed a bill that puts $1.7 billion towards the war on drugs, and it enacted minimum penalties for drug offenses. Wait, he enacts penalties for drug he, offenses? Minimum penalties, yes. Wow. Yeah, because it says right here, now we're talking about having uh, safety areas where people can do drugs openly. I know. Remember that billboard that we yeah. saw? Where did we see that at? About making sure that you have a friend with you if you're going to do drugs in case you OD. One of the you, one of you has the Narcan and watches the other one hit up or was something Nar- like that. Was it Eugene or Salem? We haven't been many places. Well, I can't remember. Maybe we saw it online. That's all our lives consist of now is sitting at home <laughs> and looking at stuff on Facebook and acting like we went there. Right. Uh, so, anyhow... Um, it was also during his second term that the AIDS epidemic hit, um, which is obviously still around today. Ba- and back then, though, if you got AIDS, it was pretty much a death sentence. It was way worse than COVID ever thought of being. Um, I got a bunch of jokes about AIDS, but I should probably keep them to myself. Keep them so- to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was also an... Oh, get this. Don't say it. No. I was reading a, or I was listening to a podcast the other day. I meant to tell you this. Listen to this podcast the other day, and these dudes shot this guy, right? And then they ran away, and they got in a car wreck, and the cops didn't know that they were the ones who shoot, so they end up releasing him. Well, they finally found the guys left. They got extradited back to Florida, and the guy, uh, they caught him, both of them, sent him to prison, right? One of the guys that was in prison... He got raped in prison, contracted AIDS, and died. How's that? The other guy escaped from prison in a laundry basket and ended up being on the run for 10 years. 10 years? That's a long time. Yeah, that's a pretty long time. Actually. But anyhow, yeah, that guy, I guess he got his in more ways than one. I never heard of that. I've heard of those things where guys would, like, pick up prostitutes or something. And then, and maybe it was an urban legend, but when they'd wake up in the morning, they'd go and uh, look on the mirror, and she'd, like, written on the mirror and the lipstick, Welcome to the Wide World of AIDS or something. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. Ew. Anyhow, back on to happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Um, in It was also in uh, 1986 that the U.S. ended up bombing Libya. Oh. Uh, and this was actually kind of an interesting situation because... England let our bombers take off from uh, England, but France wouldn't let them 
<coughs> fly over French airspace. So our planes would end up having to fly all the way around and come back in that way and bomb and then oh, go back around. Yeah. So there was a lot that went on back in uh, his presidency days. And I'm, I know I'm brushing over a lot of this, but uh, we could, uh, people, somebody's interested in it. We could do separate episodes on a whole slew of uh, all these topics that we've covered. Um, also, while he was president, he introduced immigration reform. This made it illegal to knowingly hire, to knowingly hire or recruit illegal immigrants. Yeah, it's crazy. Some of the, there's so much stuff that I found when I was researching this guy that uh, is totally turned back around. Oh yeah, these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, ju- all this stuff. It's just it's like total 180 degrees of what the country used to be. Do we sound like a couple of old people talking back in my day? <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, we also had the Iran Contra affair, oh, yeah. which was a really big deal at the time. Uh, and this, the Iran, uh, the Iran-Contra affair, I may actually have to do an episode on that because there's some really strange behind-the-scenes stuff that happened during that. Hmm. Stuff that involved uh, the Clintons when he was governor of Arkansas. Arkansas. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, it, it that goes... Goes deeper and deeper and deeper. I remember at one time uh, I saw something that uh, Biden's approval rating was dropping quicker than Bill Clinton's zipper in an Arkansas trailer park. Gosh, that's bad. Bad. Um, that's what I'm here for, dear. <laughs> so, uh, if you don't know about the Iran-Contra affair, it's, it was basically us. We were using money from covert arms sales to Iran to fund the rebels that were going against the government in Nicaragua. And uh, after they actually cleared Reagan of what was going on. Um, but then on the other hand, they bashed him for not managing his staff um, correctly. And I think Ollie North ended up taking the fall for that. And there's even conspiracy oh, yes. that Ollie North truly did take the fall, that Reagan could have been implicated in it. Uh, there's a whole... There's quite I a b- about all over north yeah there's quite a bit of story i remember watching his trial yep. on tv as well poor guy um so that's kind of stuff he did as president uh once he ended up leaving the office of uh presidency they purchased a house in bel-air but they also had the reagan ranch in uh santa barbara in 1994 he was diagnosed with alzheimer's disease and uh he was pretty stoic in his announcement against it he said it was in his uh, basically saying that it was in its early stages and, uh, you know, he was just going to continue on, um, on the bright side of things, you know, he'd end up meeting new people every day. That's terrible. He could hide his own Easter eggs. No, 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 no. He woke up in a new house every morning. Should I keep going? No. Okay. Um, but he ended up dying of, they called it, uh, pneumonia complications of Alzheimer's or something like that, or complications of pneumonia from Alzheimer's. Anyhow, he ended up dying on June 5th of 2004. Uh, there were over 200,000 people who viewed his coffin before he was buried, because if you remember it made the like the United States tour. Yeah. It was at one spot, and then they put it up 
like over by Conger somewhere, and so there was a bunch of people that went around and um, viewed his coffin and whatnot. Didn't his wife Nancy pass away too? Or I she think still alive? I think she may have oh. recently died, I but I don't did. remember a hundred percent. But anyhow, that's all uh, that I have for Ronald Reagan. Like I said, um, I could do a lot more, or somebody could do a lot more on this guy. He probably one of the like him and JFK are, you know, kind of like two big names of presidents, you know. She died March 6, 2016. Oh. Nancy Reagan's dead, by the way. In Bel Air. Oh, at their home in Bel Air? I wonder if Fresh Prince lived there with him. Because he went to live with his auntie and his uncle in Bel Air. He did. So, uh, that's pretty much it for this one. And, um, like I said... We're a little bit late getting this out to you, but this will just make your Thursday that much brighter when you listen to it. So I hope you guys all have a good, safe evening and week, and we will see you on the next one. Okay, bye. Be safe.